Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office supplies at huge savings? Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Welcome back, everybody. It's 1233 at Edmonton. Bob Stoffer joining you today from uh, Scottsdale, Arizona team-mandated off day for the Oilers. Some guests on the show received gift certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse. It's nothing like a Christmas party at Roos Chris Steakhouse. Follow the sizzle to Alberta's own Roos Chris Steakhouse. 99.90 Jasper Avenue. Tell Brendan, Maggie, and Taylor that Oilers now sent you. Our next guest, uh, who's going to be rolling into Edmonton uh, next week, John Shannon, our NHL insiders, big fan of Roos Chris. John, how you doing? Mandatory off day for you, though, is it? Holy smokes. What's that? Well, you didn't get a day off. I, yeah, but I love doing this, John. <laughs> okay. Uh, hey, I want to read a text, John, that'll make you chuckle, okay? Because I have a term that I use when uh, people get upset Um about officiating and there's a term called loser's lament okay so here we go coach mike is texas and our ashley fine floors text line hey bob you always talk about loser's lament how about a winner's wine how would you rank the officiating in the four major leagues best to worst nhl officiating in my opinion says coach mike has been getting worse and worse after year they're spectating not officiating they're getting paid just to watch the game from coach mike after last night's game i'm sure you saw the uh, comment from rick talkett said he loved the way the game was officiated uh, the Oilers got one power play on a too-many-minute on the ice call. And a lot of fans didn't like the fact that after McDavid took Fisher out, Fisher held on to his leg for roughly about five to six seconds. Now, they had my favorite official work in last night's game. I think the best ref in the league. You know Wes McCauley. I think he's the best ref. He worked both games on Saturday and Sunday. But... Uh, how how serious is the officiating? You know, you know what? There's so much good going on, John. I just want to address it because we got a bunch of texts today. How how serious does the league look at this kind of stuff? Because you've got your your piped in as anybody of the league. Oh, I, I mean, I think they look at it and monitor it every day. I mean, there 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 are printouts that go out every morning. Uh, 
from Stephen Walkham's group from uh, Hockey Operations that discuss exactly what went on. Uh, there are case studies that uh, get sent back to the officials. Here's what got called in one game. Here's what, what do you think the call should be? I mean, I, I think they are trying to do as good a job as they can. Uh, the, the problem becomes, Bob, it, is I, I'm not sure at times we know what the standard is. Uh, and that becomes one. And you, and you talk about West, and I, you know, I think there's a lot of people that would agree with you that West McCauley, uh, when is when is, you know he doesn't have one bad knee like he had last year in the playoffs. Like West McCauley's the best referee in the National Hockey League, uh, but not everybody's West McCauley, just like not everybody's Connor McDavid. So the question then becomes: Is how do you maintain a standard? On a night where there, well, last night there's only three, but on uh, on on Saturday night there's 14. How do you measure that when you got 28 different referees working? And it's difficult because that's the human side of the game. Now he's mentioned Connor. Uh, there was a play last night in overtime where, you know, McDavid is hopping in on a potential two on uh, one and uh, goes to feed a pass back to Clefbaum, and Nick Schmaltz got all of them on the hook and force the pass as a result. And, and this is, so McDavid specifically for me, is he a different animal than all the other players because of the pace and speed that he plays at? And, you know, in basketball, there used to be hack a shack. That's how you would defend, you know, Shaquille O'Neal as you put him on a line. And so the question I have there is, is McDavid this, such a unique case because of the speed and he forces officials to evaluate the game differently when he's on the ice? I don't think there's anybody in the NHL like Connor uh, when it comes to that. I think that when you see how strong he is uh, on his skates, when how fast he is on his skates, uh, and there's a lot of stuff that he he, he becomes the the brunt of that the referees it happened so quickly the referees don't realize that he was hacked because he's sped through it and he's on to the next play i mean we th this could be a constant refrain we could talk about this every monday about how connor fights through every check fights through every situation and never gets the proper call uh i actually think it's changing a little bit i don't think it's changing as much as oiler fans wanted to change but I get a sense that there's a lot more respect for Connor McDavid now, or at least more respect, a lot of, you know, a tough one to measure. I think there's more respect for, from the referees now for Connor than there was, say, 18 months ago. Well, the one thing about McDavid is he is less um, demonstrative than both Sidney Crosby and Wayne Gretzky were earlier in their <laughs> well, we careers. Had this conversation is that fair? A couple of weeks ago, Bob. Yeah, we had this conversation a couple of weeks ago is that in, in their time, both Wayne and Sid would whine a lot and would complain a lot. I, I think we can count on one hand the amount of times that we've seen Connor appear outwardly angry towards officiating uh, in the time that he's been in the National Hockey League and, and sometimes to his detriment because, it, it, you know, the, the squeaky wheel does get the oil once in a while. You know, John, we have an 18-minute conversation coming up with Ken Holland later. And guess what? We don't talk about officiating once. But we just, I, I had to address the amount of text, and you can appreciate that we were getting in on our Ashley Fine Floors text line. And there's there's probably about 60% of the texts. Fans were a little bit choked. And then the comment from talking after saying he loved how the game was officiated. All right, let's move on. 16-7-3 to start. And they are doing this 
a multi. This just isn't about McDavid and Dreisaitl, though that's a large part of it. But Dave Tippett's got a team right now, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. You know, when you think that uh, Granlin scored uh, twice on the weekend, James Neal got power play goal number 10. The one thing I really like, Bob, uh, about this hockey club right now that cannot be understated is resilience. Um, you, you know, you, let's go back nine days uh, blowing that lead against Dallas and Dallas coming back and winning in overtime. Well, years past, that was a sign that this team was going to fold up and disappear for 10 days. Oh, what happened? They go to San Jose and destroy the Sharks. You know, they take a little fit for granted, lose badly in L.A., and L.A. was certainly the better team. Uh, and they follow that up with two pretty impressive victories uh, on the weekend in Vegas and in Glendale. So from, from my perspective, uh, depth and resilience are two things that we haven't seen enough of in the Edmonton Oilers in the last three or four years, and we're seeing a ton of it this year. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's been interesting. Two goaltender system in Koskinen for all the criticism last year. And, and again, John, he started 26 of the final 29 games mm-hmm. and had never had that sort of workload, obviously, over in KHL where he split. But he certainly looks like a different goaltender having Mike Smith here, doesn't he? He does. Uh, and, and perhaps it is Mike Smith, a guy who's uh, almost as big as, uh, as, as Koskinen. So there might be a little appreciation about size of how you play the position. Uh, the other thing that doesn't get mentioned very much is that Dustin Schwartz spent some time in Finland with Koskinen this summer. Uh, and I think that there was a, a back-to-basics uh, camp that uh, existed with Schwartz there uh, with, uh, with Koskinen. And I think there's a better understanding of how the NHL game is played now by Koskinen. And, and once they got through that first year and you got the new contract, uh, which now um, at first blush looks pretty darn good for the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, I think there's a, a multitude of reasons why that we, he, he's done so well. I, I just like his composure. I mean, last night to me, a couple of times, there was no flailing around. There was no sliding around. It was keep your angles and just don't move, and they'll hit you. And at his size, that's exactly what happened. That's exactly what happened, uh, you know, in the, in the third shootout uh, opportunity for the, uh, for the Coyotes. And, and so Koskinen, I think that composure and that playing within himself really has made a huge difference. Are we seeing a different type of defense, and not just at Edmonton, but being played around the league? Uh, protect the house. The Oilers, five-man attack, five-man back. Look at the New York Islanders. They've got the fewest shots on goal in the league, and they're on a 15-0-2 run. Even Arizona for the first 10 minutes of the second period last night, John, and they're a terrific defensive team. They let the Oilers cycle, but took away shot options off the cycle to the net. And this is counterintuitive to what the analytics guys have suggested over the last several years. Like the Islanders are the antithesis of uh, analytics darlings because of how they play. It's pretty interesting, isn't it? It is. Uh, you know, and I, but what I don't think has changed, though, is the real desire by a lot of coaches now to make sure that defense, once they played defense, they can activate and move the puck up the ice. Uh, but certainly uh, in their own zone, uh, there seems to be a commitment, not just by the defenseman, but by all five forwards or in overtime, all three, or on four and four situations, the two forwards and the two D-men. I think there's a much better commitment with that five-man unit 
which allows the defenseman just to play again within themselves and then be able to move the puck up as quickly as they can. All right, uh, we're going to switch focus and talk about a couple league talk. But here with uh, John Shannon, our NHL insider Bob Stoffer, with you in Oilers now. John, the Toronto Maple Leafs, and I've not seen either of the two games because the Oilers have been playing when these games have been on. But do they look like a different team under Sheldon Keefe? Uh, they look happy. You know, they look happy. They look relaxed. They look relieved. Uh, and it's something that a few of us have been talking about for the last six or seven months: is that Mike did not make it's fun to go to work uh and i know they make a ton of money uh i know that there's an expectation as a professional athlete but at the same time you have to have a positive work experience and a positive work environment uh and it just wasn't that way and i think that uh, i think kyle dubas finally realized that i he had been told it i can guarantee you he had been told it uh by a multitude of people but uh, at the same time, it was it was just time. Um, you know, it's it's one of those things where you know we're going to have that ten game window right now where the Leafs are going to be really just like we saw with the Oilers when Ken Hitchcock came in last year. Uh, the question will can Sheldon maintain it, and I have full belief that he can because he's that type of communicator with his players. All right, uh, what did you think of the comments from Mike Commodore? And then, you know, former Oiler Mark Fraser kind of reinforced them, though he was much more polite in his approach. Um, I got to tell you, like, I can appreciate that lots of guys maybe didn't like Babcock. I don't know if it's kind of great to be dancing on the grave of a guy that's been fired. That's my own personal interpretation, but I'd like to get your thoughts on that. Uh, you know what, I... Uh I, I don't want to get into that. I mean, uh, uh, Mike Commodore is a professional athlete. He had a, a, a pretty good career. Uh, when you consider he had a really good career. He brought, yeah, he did. I mean, and, and, and good for him. And if he, has the, if he has the gumption and the desire to say that, I never played for Mike Babcock. My experiences with Mike Babcock weren't near as bad, but I didn't have that issue and have to be in a room with him. Uh, I, there were times that I felt Mike was, even with us, was too rigid. And perhaps a little arrogant, but uh, I, I never knew him to lie to us, and I never knew him to uh, to be one that uh, was uh, something other than a professional uh, person within the sport that I work in. I, you know, I, 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 commenting on Mike Commodore, that's his own personal opinion. He's entitled to it. There you go. All right. Uh, switching focus. Um, that, will Babcock be able to pick and choose where he goes next? Uh, or is, you know, or is there some luster? There's, some, there's a story in the Toronto Sun today, uh, Bob, that uh, might suggest that um, Mike's um, persona is going to take a bit of a beating here. Uh, I, I think there are more stories that will come out in the next little while. Uh, let's face it, Mike doesn't have to work for another three and a half years. He's still going to get paid over $15 million in that time. Um, so he can sit and wait, uh, but he's a competitive SOB, and I, I would suggest he's going to try to want to work somewhere. But I also think that there's going to be a lot of communication with people about why he, why he didn't make it work in Toronto, and whoever hires him is going to have to be fully aware of what type of person they're getting into. Let's face it, I think Kenny Holland, and I know you've taped the interview with Kenny, so you can't, I, I don't know what he's going to say. I think Kenny Holland put up with a lot and tolerated a lot and deflected a lot and buffered a lot 
with Mike Babcock the last two or three years, and nobody knew about it. And uh, he and and I, I, I to this day I I think Kenny will probably disagree with me and say it's not true, but I I think in his heart of hearts he knows it was true, and that's why Babcock wasn't re-signed in Detroit, and he had that option of either going to Buffalo or the Maple Leafs. Yeah, it's interesting because uh, one of the things that Ken discusses is the hiring process for the coach day because obviously Dave Tippett, I mean, Dave Tippett would be amongst the leaders for coach of the year right now in the National Hockey League. And um, there's just a completely different feel. And we are not in the room, John, on a day-to-day basis, but we're around the players, obviously privileged enough to fly with them and travel with them. Hey, winning helps, right? It's the it's a cure. You know, winning's a lot better than losing. To paraphrase Nuclear Lush, but Tippett's it's his handle and his feel and his inclusiveness as a coach that I think's gotten the most out of his team right now. Well, you know what? I think Dave Tippett's a better coach now than he was in his last tenure. I, I think being away from the game has probably helped everybody who's away from the game, uh, and it may it may benefit Mike Babcock too. I think I think that. I think Dave, Dave Tippett, when you take a step back and you wonder, hey, why after he left Arizona, why didn't he get another opportunity? Well, you know, the Seattle thing was really nice, but it wasn't coaching. And he was told from the beginning that if he was going to coach in Seattle, it was going to be the general manager's decision. Um, so from that perspective, I think Dave being away from the game has helped him. Just as I, in ancient history, when Scotty Bowman stepped away from the game, I think it helped him. I, I think when he stepped away from from coaching and, uh, and and waited and waited and went back to Pittsburgh and then replaced Bob Johnson when Bob got ill, I think Scotty was a different guy and a better and a better coach. And, and uh, I think anybody that leaves the game and has a chance to come back probably has a chance to be a better coach. John, terrific stuff. Thank you, and we'll hook up Wednesday. Okay. I will talk to you Wednesday, Robert. It is 12.50 in Edmonton. We'll take a time out. bunch of texts have come in on our Ashley Fine Floors text line, and we'll get a little bit interactive when we return on Oilers Now. Hi, I'm James Neal from the Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 6.30 Chet. James Neal with his 10th power play goal yesterday, second in the NHL in power play goals. Connor McDavid leads the league in power play points. The Oilers power play second, just uh, mere percentage points behind Tampa Bay, who went on a heater on Saturday night. Oilers penalty killing second, Edmonton first in the Pacific Division. Temperatures are dropping, so it's time to start thinking tropical. Forget about white snow and start thinking about white sand. How about Puerto Vallarta? Jet away with 630 Ched's Jalen Nye in January on an amazing all-inclusive winter holiday tour that includes seven nights at the five-star beachfront Marivell Armory Resort plus parking at the Value Park at the Edmonton International Airport. On sale now for just $21.95. Book your spot today. Reach out to New West Travel at newwesttravel.com. All right, you can text us on our Ashley Fine Floors text line at 6.30. Uh, check that. 
The Fizzler has texted the show. Bob, there is a great podcast that talked about officiating that used the NBA as an example and showed how the league has put in more resources to improve officiating than ever before and that objectively officiating is better than it's ever been. However, fan and player perception is that officiating is worse. It seems as though it's hard to change one's preconceived ideas about things even when there's evidence of the contrary. Well, uh, yep, I'm a guy that uh, thinks veteran teams get veteran calls and uh, that there's officials that believe less is more when they officiate games for what it's worth. And margins are tight in the NHL. There's real competitive balance. That's the word Gary Batman likes using. Others would suggest parity. Let's go to Brendan Escott for another text on our Ashley Fine Forest text line. Texter from the south of the province here, Bob, says that Bear is playing like an experienced vet. Curious as to what his ceiling could be. I'll get your thoughts in a second here, but I was kind of pondering that. And I'm thinking, like, if he if he keeps this up, Bob, do we have, a you know, a 50-point defenseman on our hands, a 15-goal, 35-assist type player? I think that if he keeps on this development track, we certainly could. But what do you think? Uh, I, I think right now the Oilers have three top four defensemen, for sure. Okay, so obviously Oscar Clefbaum right now is playing like a number two. And just so everybody knows, I've only got about 15 number one defensemen in the league. Like Drew Doughty's a number one defenseman. Um, you know, Victor Hedman's a number one defenseman for me. But I only got about 15 guys that are number ones. Because uh, you can make an argument, well, there's 31 number one defensemen around. Like Nate Schmidt's a number one defenseman, right? Because he's in Vegas. And Nate Schmidt's like uh, Oscar. He's To me, he's number two D-man. I think Ethan Bear tops out at a number three um, right shot D, uh, which is important because you, you need top four defensemen. Nurse is a second pairing left shot defenseman. So he's a top four guy, right? And And you know what? When Larson's healthy... And right now he's trying to get up to speed. Uh, he's challenged a bit. Uh, but when Larson's healthy, he's a, he's a secondary right shot, shutdown defense. But I think, I think at least a, th- a number three defenseman. I don't think that's out of the uh, range. Another text comes in on our Ashley Fine Floors text line. Bob, have you heard Commodore talk about Babcock on spitting chicklets? Uh, I haven't. Uh, I know Mike's very opinionated. Again, some might suggest, you know, he, he celebrated a little too happily when Babcock was fired in Toronto. Uh, that is, uh, Mike's perspective we've not been in mike's shoes um i did an event with mike a couple years ago in red deer he was highly entertaining uh and a lot of players won't say crap if their mouth was full of it so you appreciate a guy being honest and direct uh his dislike for mike babcock has gone on for years we know that uh between mike commodore and mike and i meant what i said for a player with his skill set he had a great career because, I mean, he was, what was he, a second-round draft choice? You know, a lot of second-round D-man don't pan out. He had, he had a pretty extensive career, won a Stanley Cup. Uh, you know, I, I'd say Mike Commodore made the most of what he had. And that's, you know, it's it's not a, it's not a compliment to say you're a beautiful-looking person. It's it, it's a compliment, you know, because you're born genetically with it. Uh, but it's what you make of it, right? So you can be a beautiful, per, a beautiful, giving person inside, and and that might, which might explain why I'm truly ugly. But that's uh, uh, that's another conversation for another day. It's a, a little joke, kind of. All right, uh, Ken Holland coming up, and right now 
it's uh, it's gone well for Ken Holland. You know, 16-7-3, he flips Lucic for Neil, and Neil's second in the league in power play goals. He's got 14. He's doubled his total from last year. Uh, he hires a head coach. His coach's got the number two power play in PK. It's going well right now. We're a third of the way through the year. So Ken Holland and George LaRock coming up. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad.